The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Let's jazz it up. Let's all get together now. Welcome to the Laura Theodore Podcast. You may know me from my popular television show, Jazzy Vegetarian, where I feature easy and delicious vegan recipes, along with tips for living a kinder, plant-based life. Now I invite you to join me here each week, where I'll welcome amazing guests to share upbeat and informative conversations featuring motivational lifestyle advice and nutritional guidance, plus lots of jazzy-licious recipe ideas. It's all served up with sensational music on the side. Music. So let's get talking. Hello, hello. I am your host, Laura Theodore, and I do want to say that uh, now is the time to truly be happy, be healthy, and be well. We have a very informative hour in store with the one, the only Nava Atlas, and she's a best-selling vegetarian and vegan cookbook author. And Nava will share how to make fast, fun, and delicious vegan meals at home using just five ingredients per dish. You know, I love that. The fewer ingredients, the better. She's written a whole book about this. She's going to help us solve the problem of planning meals that are healthy, tasty, and ready to eat in a half an hour or less with simple plant-based recipes that incorporate fresh produce or good quality canned and frozen foods, whole grains, and time-saving off-the-shelf prepared sauces. It's a, a great book. Five ingredient vegan. We're going to be talking about that. But before we welcome Nava to the program, it's time for my recipe of the week. And of course, since our subject is five ingredient vegan recipes, it had to be a five ingredient recipe. And it is. It's my crazy easy barbecue portobello burgers. And this is a totally delicious and super easy recipe from my book, which is called Vegan for Everyone 160 family-friendly recipes with a delicious modern twist. And I'm really excited to share this really delicious recipe because these are really enticing burgers and they're simple to prepare. They're packed with really juicy flavor. And when you crave a meaty tasting vegan burger, this recipe really, really fills the bill. And We'll just get started with crazy easy barbecue portobello burgers. Make six servings, and you're going to start off with six large portobello mushrooms cleaned with the stems removed, one and a half tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, a half tablespoon gluten-free tamari. If you want to keep it gluten-free, use a gluten-free version of tamari. And then a half a cup of vegan barbecue sauce. Just use your favorite sauce, or you can use your favorite homemade or bottled or prepared variety. Whatever you have on hand is perfect for this recipe. 
You can align a large rimmed baking pan with unbleached parchment paper and arrange those portobello mushrooms gill side up on the prepared pan and spoon about one-sixth of the olive oil and one-sixth of the tamari over the gills of each mushroom cap. Tent the mushrooms with foil and if time permits, it's best to refrigerate them for 30 minutes to let the flavors marry before you bake them. That's just a little jazzy tip. Then you're going to start by preheating the oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Then bake the mushrooms for 30 minutes. Transfer the pan to a wire rack. Remove the foil. Gently flip the mushrooms over so the smooth side of the cap is facing up. And then spread about a scant tablespoon of that barbecue sauce evenly over the top of each mushroom. You're going to bake those portobellas uncovered for about 15 minutes. Then remove the mushrooms from the oven, add another teaspoon or so of the barbecue sauce to each mushroom, depending on how much moisture they need at that point. Then bake them for an additional 12 to 15 minutes until the mushrooms have become caramelized. The edges are nice and brown. Oh, they are so, so yummy. And you know, you can serve them just this way. You can cut them kind of on the bias and serve them over a green salad. They're lovely that way. Or if you want to do them in a traditional style, get a very nice uh, bun, a whole grain bun, a gluten-free bun if you're gluten-free. And you're going to serve it with some creamy paprika sauce, which I'm going to give that recipe later in the show. So you're going to have to stick around. And lettuce and sweet onion, tomato, whatever you normally put on your regular burger. And you go ahead and serve it. And that is the whole thing, my crazy easy barbecue portobello burgers. But I think it's time to get onto the program. And it is now my great pleasure to welcome Nava Atlas, who is the author of many best-selling and vegan cookbooks, including Five Ingredient Vegan, Vegan Holiday Kitchen, Vegan Soups, Hearty Stews for All Seasons. I love them all. And you also create visual books on women's issues, including the Literary Ladies' Guide to the Writing Life. And you run two websites. You're such a busy lady. But... I'm just so happy you're here today. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Trying to eat as best we can and appreciating our family, appreciating our friends. But part of that is trying to create and serve healthy meals as much as we possibly can. And I know that from speaking with you about this on on many occasions, uh, that is what first started you on the path towards creating recipes. It was for your family, but I'd love to know what your inspiration was for penning this book right now, Five Ingredient Vegan. Well, like you, I do a lot of speaking, not not necessarily on air, but you know, at, at events and libraries and things like that. And very often people would ask me, do I have a vegan 101 type book? And you know, my books, my recent books have tended to be more specialized, like I have the one about the vegan holidays, I have the Wild About Greens, uh, Plant Power, the Soups book. And I thought, you know, I don't really have a vegan 101 book. You do, Laura. <laughs> and, and yours are just so, I, I want to talk to your audience about how great your recipes are. We'll get to those. So I thought, yeah, you know, and I did um, vegetarian five-ingredient gourmet years and years ago when I was still vegetarian. It was to tell you, it was not a pretty book. There's no pictures in it. The cover wasn't so great. And yet it was a super successful book because at the end of the day, both literally and figuratively, most people want something simple. They want to come home for work and not have to fiddle around with 20 or 30 ingredients. 
something that they can just pull together in 15 or 20 minutes with a minimum amount of fuss and a minimum a number of ingredients. And I know that you're very much in that philosophy with me. So yeah, that, I thought it would be a good time to revisit that concept uh, with veganism because I've been a vegan now for almost 18 years. Wow. And it is just that over the years, for some reason, we just seem to get more and more busy, but we want to still make healthy meals. And that's why I was so excited when you first told me you were writing this book, because making a meal, particularly for your family, and you're busy, whatever you've done all day, and you say, I've got to make a meal. But then if I, if I think of it in the back of my head and I say, oh, I only have to get five ingredients out of the refrigerator, then I'm saying, okay, I can do this. And that's what I adore about this book. There's a lot of great pictures that shows you what the finished product should look like. And that's very helpful. But you can open it, purchase it, put it in your kitchen and be confident and say, I know I only have to have five ingredients to make every recipe in this book. And it's going to taste absolutely delicious because it was created by Nava Atlas. And there you go. No, thank you. Thank you. Well, I know a lot of the ingredients in this book are pantry staples. So you can literally go to the supermarket and stand in the express line and have the entire meal from, you know, soup to dessert almost. Um, it's also very economical. And, you know, we are trying to win people over to the vegan movement, and we're not going to do it with complicated recipes as much as we might like to make them once in a while as a treat. Uh, and you're right, somehow people are just getting busier and busier. And I kind of blame, I blame email, quite honestly. Maybe we can also blame social media, because I don't really spend a lot of time on that. But it seems like, you know, you easily spend two hours a day answering email, right? Maybe yes. those are the two hours we used to spend leisurely cooking with a glass of wine. But, you know, as I was saying, that as we're trying to win people over to the vegan movement, showing them how easy, accessible, and economical it is, is the way to go. And that's yeah. what this book tries to do. And that brings me to, I think you explained it so beautifully in this book, your reasons to go vegan. There's a kind of a triumvirate of reasons. One is health, um, the other is ethics, and now people are talking more and more about the environment. So, you know, as far as health, it, you know, many studies have shown that people who are on a more plant-rich diet are less inclined to get kind of the big illnesses. And, you know, that's not my area of expertise, so I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I do quote other studies uh, so it's, that it's not just coming as my opinion. Um, and then it's the ethical vegans, which you and I, I know you and I are. When I give talks in public, I honestly, I don't talk about that a lot unless somebody point blank asks me because I just find that really puts people on the defensive. I am, you know, I am an, an animal rights vegan, but I lead with the food. And I know that you're of that philosophy as well. If we win people over, uh, with the food, they're more likely to stay. And then now we're talking about the environmental impact. And animal agriculture adds so much to um, greenhouse gases. It is really one of the leading causes. Uh, there's a, a very off, often quoted study that was done in 2006, but it's still considered a, a real bellwether study from the United Nations that says that um, animal 
agriculture produces more greenhouse gases than all forms of transportation combined. So, and then uh, as far as fossil fuel industry, actually animal agriculture is right behind fossil fuels as far as causing environmental damage that leads to climate change. So I tell people when I give talks that as we're waiting for our government to do something, you know, anything at all, this is something every single individual can do and on a daily basis. Uh, I don't know what government is doing. I don't know what the you know plans of the Senate are. I don't know if they're ever going to p- pass the Green New Deal, but everybody can vote with their fork. Everybody can make a decision to cut back on or completely eliminate meat, and it, it would make a huge difference. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And once again, too, something you and I have discussed before, uh, even five years ago, I will say, it was much more difficult than it is now to lead the plant-based path, so to speak. I mean, it really is very easy now. You can walk to any major supermarket, walk into the produce department, walk into, you know, you're going to find tofu, you're going to find tempeh, you're going to find seitan, which is what we're going to get to in just a moment. But you can find all those ingredients that are the basis. They're not like they're exotic ingredients. You can get them now. And when we started out, you you couldn't. So that makes it a heck of a lot easier. And that brings me to the next uh, subject I'd like to talk about, because there's a lot of confusion about the basic, what I, what I call the basic plant-based proteins, and those are tofu, tempeh, and seitan. So let's just break them each down and talk a little bit about tofu, for example. Let's start with that. Okay, we'll start with tofu, but I just want to uh, maybe expand a tiny bit on what you were saying about the availability. Sure. Uh, even the books that I wrote 10 or 12 years ago, Basically, there was soy milk and rice milk, neither of which are really that great for cooking. And now you have this whole plethora of the different plant-based milks, and they really are available just about everywhere. So it really does make everything much easier. Okay, so we're we're starting with tofu. So tofu is made out of uh, soybeans, and it's not fermented, but it's coagulated, almost like cheese, but without the fermentation and the flavor. Um, It's a really great source of uh, plant-based protein. It's incredibly versatile. You could do anything with tofu from mash it and make it almost into an egg salad type of concoction, which I just did this past weekend. And, you know, if you sprinkle on the kama, I, I always forget how to pronounce it, the, the Indian pink salt, it, it, it just flavors it and it smells exactly like egg salad. People go crazy over this. Or you can really squeeze out all the water and cut it into dice and fry it up and becomes really crispy. I just call tofu the chameleon of the plant-based world because you can do so many things with it. So then we go from there to tempeh, which is also a plant. Uh, I'm sorry, it's also a soybean product. But there you can almost see the soybeans; they've been coagulated and fermented, and supposedly. The fermentation makes it even healthier, although tempeh is much more of a, an acquired taste. So I would say in my household, we have uh, three quarters of us like tempeh, and then there's a holdout who really, really doesn't like it. But it's a really, it's a, a terrific product, and it's for people who don't digest soy as easily. This might be the good choice because anything that's fermented 
it's much easier to digest. And then seitan is definitely not for the gluten-free crowd because it's pure gluten. Gluten is the protein of wheat. And uh, again, it's so much easier to get than it was years ago. And then it's also much easier to make from scratch these days. And I have to say, I'm an enthusiastic seitan maker because I kind of got it down to a science. And it makes a bigger batch, and it's you know kind of more tender than the kind you buy in the packages. And you just buy a, a package of Bob's Red Mill gluten flour, and it just makes the whole process so easy. But I think a serving of seitan has something like 21 grams of protein. So it's a great protein source as long as you can handle the gluten. So those yeah. are like kind of the big three. But um, aside from those... The new plant-based meat substitutes, a lot of those are also great sources of protein. Some of them are made with really natural products or they're a combination of tofu and gluten. I know that uh, like the tofurkey sausages, for example, those are tofu and, and wheat gluten. You know, there's not a lot of unfamiliar ingredients in them. And th- those are incredibly high in protein for people who are looking to boost their protein content. Yeah, and it's a great way to get started, too, because you can get that taste that you're accustomed to with the uh, meat analogs out there. And there are a lot of great tasting ones. Um, My husband just loves them. and He's been, you know, vegan for a long time, but he still likes those tastes because I think we remember those tastes that we had in our childhood. Just a little note about tempeh. I find, and and you may, may or may not agree, but I do find that if I cube and steam or put them into cutlets, the tempeh, and steam it for 10 minutes and let it cool off before I do my recipe. First of all, it will take in the marinade a lot more. And for some reason, the steaming process seems to take away uh, most or all of that bitter taste that can be a little bit of a side taste of tempeh. Oh, yes. Yes. I've I've done that. And it's true. And sometimes I just, you know, I just skip that step because yeah, I'm in a hurry yeah. or lazy or whatever. But that's true. That's very true. And if people want to make it kind of a little bit more palatable, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it, it does help a lot. And uh, so I suggest if someone out there has tried tempeh and they're saying, okay, I don't like it, just buy it, cut it into cutlets, cut it into cubes, steam it for 10 minutes, let it cool. You'll see that it softens up. Then put on your marinade or then mash it up and put it into a, you know, vegan chicken salad, something like that. And you'll find that the taste is really quite different and the texture gets a lot more palatable as well. Now, what I love about in this book is that you really, really have gone into depth of what to keep in the pantry. And, you know, uh, you, you really broke it down. And, and I do love that because I think that that's something that's important. A well-stocked pantry is what's going to make your meals quick and easy. And particularly if you're doing them on the fly and you haven't really have any plan for what you're going to make that night, you can go in the pantry and put something together. So talk a little bit about that, if you would, please. Okay, well, you know, when we talk about pantry, we're talking about uh, fresh ingredients as well as the the kind of dry, we're going to maybe put pasta on that category, and then also the condiments and seasonings and all of these put together are the things that are going to make, like you said, everyday meals much easier. 
because you're not scrambling for, you know, having to shop from everything from scratch. Freezer is also important. That's also something that we'll, we'll go into. So should we go first into the, the fresh foods that are good to keep on a, you know, kind sure. of on a daily basis? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay, meaning that you don't have to refrigerate these. And that's assuming it's not super hot. It's not the middle of July and your kitchen is a reasonable temperature. Is In the pantry, you keep your garlic, onions, potatoes, and sweet potatoes. Then there are your countertop uh, produce, which is avocados, and bananas, and a lot of people I know still don't know that you're not supposed to keep tomatoes in the refrigerator because it makes them mushy and um, tasteless. So tomatoes stay on the counter, and if you you just so with tomatoes you just want to get a few days worth whatever you're going to use within a few days. Then you know we all have a certain finite amount of room in our refrigerator for produce. Although my mm-hmm. produce really spills over onto the shelves because I feel like. Oh, I don't know, 60 or 70% of what I eat is vegetables. I just love them. But the ones that I keep on hand at all times in the fridge would be broccoli, cabbage, uh, carrots. These things last for quite a long time. Um, I like scallions quite a bit. As much as I like onions, I always call scallions the shortcut onion. because They take less time to cook. They're really just... Oh, good point. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then other things are seasonal or occasional. For example, fresh corn is really more for the summer, and Brussels sprouts seem a little bit more wintry. So those things you get as as needed. Uh, I just bought a beautiful batch of asparagus today, and I know that back way back when asparagus was a sign of spring. Now you see it all year round, but I still like it best in the spring. I just think it tastes better. It is just you know, like you said, you kind of grow up with certain notions and they're comforting. So to me, buying a big batch of asparagus when it's almost spring kind of pulls it a little closer. So, um, and then, you know, as needed produce, depending on what recipes you're going to make as well. One question I do get quite a lot when I do my talks is, is it important to buy organic produce? So here's the, the quick answer. There's a really great resource called the Environmental Working Group, or EWG.org. They have an annual list of what they call the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. So the Dirty Dozen are forms of produce that are heavily sprayed with toxic pesticide, and they recommend only getting those in organic form. Uh, At the top of the list almost always are strawberries, and you cannot rinse pesticide off of strawberries. On the top of the list is almost always spinach and apples and what else is nearly always? Peppers seem to be near the top of that list very quickly. Potatoes, regular potatoes. Um, You know, there's certain forms of produce that shift. Like some years potatoes are up there, and then other years they're on the clean 15. I really, I can't figure that out. But that's why it's good to consult it every year. So the Clean 15 are forms of produce that are grown with little or no pesticide. And another thing I remind people is is that there is a human or humans on the other side of those strawberries in the field. And they do. The workers get really sick from those pesticides. So we should really support farms and businesses that are growing things like strawberries and apples with as little or no pesticide as possible. Good point. Good point. Let's continue on with a few things on the pantry, because I'd love to get your take on 
Just your top choices for canned, jarred, and packaged items to keep in your pantry. Just a few of them, please, that happen to be your favorites. Okay. Well, my new absolute favorite is Indian Simmer Sauce. And this is something that I really think was not on the market a few years ago. And it's widely available. It's available in the supermarket. You'll find it right next to where all the soy sauce and all the Asian products are. These products are so delicious that you can just open one of these jars and, you know, and dump it on some chickpeas, which is something that I do in the book. And it tastes like it came from the finest Indian restaurant. I mean, time was when I wanted to make something curried, that would mean me opening, you know, a, a jar of curry powder. And that really doesn't cut it because curries are really made up of a myriad of you know, uh, roasted spices, everything in a you know great combination, and not being that kind of cook, and also being admittedly a little bit lazy, my curries were really never anything to write home about. So these products for me have been really life changing. So, and in, in fact, one of the recipes in the book is: you take chickpeas, you take a jar of the simmer sauce, some fresh tomatoes, fresh baby spinach. I think there's scallions in it. Boom. That's your five ingredients. And that's the basis of an amazing dinner. And that is really one of the recipes I demo the most. And people just go crazy over it. Wow. And I can't believe it's made with just five ingredients. And it really makes the room just smell so delicious. So and what's it called again, if we're looking for um, it? Okay. So it, it's just um, one of the brands that I see in the supermarket is a Patak, P-A-T-A-K. And then there's Maya Kamal. Um, it's it's really easy to to find, and there's different varieties. Although I do want to, one caveat is that some of them do have dairy, but many of them don't. I'm trying to think of um, Jalfrezi, for example. That's a tomato based, and mm-hmm. maybe coconut based, and that that's vegan. Mm-hmm. So that's the people who are concerned with that need to look at the labels. But these sauces are just so delicious; they really make the meal. That really is my my number one new favorite. Um, yes, it is better to cook beans from scratch, but many of us just don't think of it the day before, or we may not have an instant pot, or we may not have a pressure cooker. Uh, the one thing to look for with canned beans is try to get BPA-free cans. Uh, organic varieties are less salty for some reason. Uh, Goya beans are great. I, I just feel like it's better to use canned beans than not to use beans. They're just such a versatile and really nutritious food. You know, when we talked about the triumvirate, tofu, tempeh, and seitan, yes, but, you know, a lot of people can't have those because they are allergic to soy or they're gluten-free. Beans is, are something that almost everybody can eat and everybody can agree on. So I, I do love those, and I do keep uh, many many varieties in the house at all times. I agree um, with that. I, That's what I do. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think a really good kind of a, a bold flavored teriyaki or Korean barbecue teriyaki marinade, because you just throw that into a stir fry and it has just such amazing flavor. So you take three or four different vegetables, stir fry them up and just put one of these marinades, which is better than just putting so, straight soy sauce because it just it, those have a little bit more to them. But first of all, they have a little bit more body 
and the Korean barbecue sauce has a little kick to it or has a little bit of ginger to it. So all of these are things that we don't have to mix and measure. So those are tremendously helpful. I feel like if somebody is going to come home at 7 o'clock and you say, well, you know, choose between making a sauce or cutting up a few vegetables, I think I would choose the cutting up of a few vegetables. That being said, though, I was really mindful in this book of keeping a lot of prep and chopping to a minimum because I hear that a lot. It's like, I come home really tired. I don't want to chop up 12 or 13 different kinds of vegetables. So, you know, this is why some some veggies are really convenient, like the baby spinach. Uh, what else? When you buy broccoli in the um, just the crowns of the broccoli, so you don't have to deal with the stem. You just make a cut through, and you know you've got really nice sized, bite sized broccoli florets. So I really tried to be very mindful of that. I feel like this is really this is really the book for busy cooks. Mm-hmm. I agree, and it's it's a brilliant book, uh, Five Ingredient Vegan by Nava Atlas. And uh, you can go to theveganatlas.com and learn more. And, of course, you can purchase the book wherever fine books are sold. Now, one thing I love that you really did uh, so beautifully in this book, and I think we all need a little coaching on this, but this is something I love to do, five-ingredient soups or a five-ingredient stew. How do you get started with that? And what are some of your basic tips for making that not just easy but taste delicious in the long run using just five ingredients? Yeah, I I think soups was really the most challenging chapter because even though, let's say you have a soup with 15 or 20 ingredients, basically you're just throwing everything in. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that that adds up to all that flavor, right? Mm-hmm. So it, this was a this was a toughie, and I, you know, I've written a whole book on soups and stews, but getting it down to five ingredients was a bit of a challenge. That being said, it was not a challenge that I was not able to surmount. So the five ingredients need to be ingredients that are really flavorful and add a lot to the mix. So um, one of my favorites, and it's really almost like an instant, instant soup, is butternut squash soup with spinach and peas. Of course, if I have time, I'm going to start with a fresh butternut squash. But this assumes that somebody is coming home, they're tired, they're cold, or they may not feel well, and they really just want a soup in minutes. So you start out with the butternut squash puree that comes in the 32-ounce containers. And then in it are peas, which are very quick to prepare vegetable, frozen vegetable, fresh spinach, fresh scallions, my shortcut onions, and some good quality curry powder. And then there you go. You have a really, not a soup that's not only warming, but looks really nice. And it just goes very well with sandwiches or wraps. Um, Another one that I do enjoy quite a bit is a coconut sweet potato bisque. Mm. Um, So with the sweet potatoes, you know, there is a bit of work involved in, you know, peeling them and chopping them and cooking them. So we're going to do away with that for this one. We are just going to microwave them. So once you have your sweet potatoes microwaved, you just have to split them, scoop the sweet potato out of the skin. That's it. You know, there's not a lot of uh, fuss Great with that. Idea. And then that's combined with coconut milk and curry again, fire-roasted diced tomatoes. So anytime you have a product that's packaged, you want to make sure you get the more most flavorful one for your buck. So instead of just diced tomatoes, you get fire-roasted diced tomatoes. They have a little bit more kick to them. 
So, um, yeah, for the soups, I really just tried to concentrate on which ingredients, if I can only use five, are going to give me the most flavor. Yeah, I also find, too, I agree, those two amazing ideas, I never could have come up with them at all. But something I find that I use is I do like to keep flavorful uh, vegan bouillon cubes. I find that I can start making a quick soup, particularly with those, and it helps from for having to you know simmer a lot of ingredients for a long, long time. Oh, you can absolutely. start with a little flavor there. Right. Bouillon cubes are really useful. They're also useful for let's say you're cooking quinoa and you just want or rice and you want just a little added flavor to it. Just throw one of those in, and there are brands that are really good. They're salt-free. They really concentrate on so many different seasonings, and uh, they make it just taste that much better. I, I agree, and it just makes it so easy. And that way, you're starting with your base of flavor, which is really the idea that you need behind making particularly five-ingredient recipes and also vegan in- recipes. You really want to have that flavor profile there. So the bouillon cubes, I just I love it. I, I just think it, it makes things so easy. And and also, too, to your point, there are quite a few different brands, and they really do have a very different flavor profile, a very different taste. And what I recommend is to pick up a couple of different types and try your favorite soup recipe or your favorite stew or your gravy or, once again, your quinoa or your rice, as Nava just said, and see which one you like best because they really can have a very different taste. And then the one you like best, keep in stock in, in your uh, you know, in your kitchen, and you can use it last minute any time. Yes, indeed. Our, our mission is to make things as easy as possible for people. And I was going to say, I just want to do a little advertisement for your Hungry Guy black bean burgers, because those are amazing. And, you know, you also demonstrate how you know, don't need a million ingredients to make something that tastes really good. I've made those already a few times. Oh, um, the, thank your, you. Your, your famous Hungry Guy vegan burgers. They're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that was one that, you know, sometimes you just get a recipe that comes in your head and you think, oh, boy, this is this is going to be a goofy one. But it's turned out to be one of the most popular recipes. And it is. It's easy to make. It just comes together. And, uh, you know, my mother makes it for my stepfather and she has a hard time getting him to eat stuff that isn't meat. And he he loves them, too. So we know they're good. The next thing I think that can be overwhelming for me, I'm not real crazy about bottled salad dressings in general. I think I used to be, but as the years go by, I just don't like the taste of them anymore. And I love that in this book, you give us a lot of tips on how to make a quick salad dressing. And I think sometimes that keeps people from having a salad because let's face it, you can make a really easy salad with that, you know, with prepared baby greens and, you know, maybe a few carrot slices or whatever you want to do. Even if you want to just do the greens and and a dressing, if you want something really quick, that dressing can take up time unless it's easy and flavorful. What are your ideas there? Well, that's a really good point. And I personally have gone back and forth on bottled dressings. And I think the thing that I object to them is they just seem so expensive. Yeah. But like I said, I do go back and forth on them. Once in a while, I'll still buy a bottled dressing, but it, it, it's really not a big deal to put one together. So I start with a basic vinaigrette. Then from the basic vinaigrette, you could make it into a, a balsamic vin- vinaigrette, obviously, by just substituting the um, you know the regular uh, wine vinegar for balsamic vinegar. 
Um, I really do enjoy French dressing. So here are the ingredients. Um, by the way, in this book, what the ingredients that don't count are water, obviously, salt and pepper, and oil. Oil doesn't count because it's really optional. There's many people out there who, as you know, are oil free. Mm-hmm. So we so that kind of is an optional ingredient. So the ingredients for a French dressing are a good quality ketchup, vegan mayo, red wine vinegar, agave or maple syrup, paprika. And then if somebody wants to, they can put in oil or they can leave that out. It's really good. Wow, and, that is um, yummy. I have to try that. Oh, it's really, it's really very good. And then vegan ranch is one that I don't find too often. So that's almost like a necessity to make my own. And that consists of, I mean, you know, vegan mayonnaise, veggie mayonnaise, it's just so delicious. It just makes everything taste great. But the vegan ranch that I have here combines the vegan mayonnaise with a plain non-dairy yogurt. And I say non-dairy, I don't specify. I, I'm sorry, but soy yogurt to me just tastes really vile. Mm-hmm. And there have been many other brands that have come out with non-soy yogurts. Mm-hmm. There's an almond yogurt, there's coconut yogurt. They're really much, much better now. So combining the yogurt with mayonnaise, lemon juice, a seasoning blend, and dill. And if somebody wants salt and pepper, makes a really good ranch-style dressing that's really good not just for salad, but for dipping things. If Sometimes if you make a plant protein with a barbecue flavor, it's really nice to contrast it also with the ranch flavor, almost like that kind of that buffalo uh, kind of contrast where you have the cool and hot. Mm-hmm. And um, then I remember when my kids were really little, I made something called Thousand Island-ish dressing, which mm-hmm. is basically vegan mayonnaise, ketchup, paprika, and pickle relish. That's it. And it just makes a, a really tasty dressing that I it helped them to ease into salad eating. Because you're right, sometimes it's the dressing that really makes a salad. There's no doubt about it. You know, uh, if you have a good dressing, which those I've got to try, particularly that uh, French salad dressing. I've never done that combo before. I'm definitely going to give that a try. But sometimes you think, oh, you know, same old salad. You wake it up with just a different dressing. It gives it a whole different flavor because that's what's coating all of the veggies or whatever you've got in that salad. That's what's coating it. It's going to hit your tongue first, and it's really going to wake it up. Our topic today is five-ingredient vegan recipes with Nava Atlas, and we're learning how to make fast, fun, and delicious vegan meals at home. And uh, you can learn more about Nava at theveganatlas.com, and you can purchase her book, Five-Ingredient Vegan, uh, just about anywhere fine books are sold. Now, we're running a little low on time, but I don't know how long this would take you to share with us, if you have enough time uh, in uh, three minutes or so, to share a little bit about your quick refrigerated pickles. Oh, the the refrigerated pickles. I just love those. Uh, So basically, just take cucumbers. You can take hothouse cucumbers or Kirby cucumbers, anything but a wax cucumbers. No wax cucumbers here. And... You take a tablespoon of salt and two tablespoons of granulated sugar and a couple cloves of garlic and you um, heat up maybe a cup of water and let the salt and the sugar dissolve. And then you just take your cucumbers and there's really not an exact amount, whatever fits into a jar. And you take that mixture, the salt and sugar mixture, 
you put it in there, then a quarter cup of the raw apple cider vinegar, like Bragg, and then you mm-hmm. fill up the rest with water. Oh, yeah, there's either dill seed or fresh dill or, or dried dill in there as well. You just close it up and put it in the fridge for 24 hours. It really is. They're just such tasty pickles. I it just sounds, love it. Any time so of year. Delicious. That's another one I was reading and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to try this. And boy, this has just flown by. But in closing, just recap for us. How do we go about making weeknight meals easier, quicker, and tasty? The things that we talked about, which is stocking your pantry, your fridge, your freezer, with the basic ingredients you use. You're not just always scrambling and doing last-minute shopping trips. Using those shortcuts. I didn't really talk about all the shortcut products I love. I I spent a lot of time on the Indian simmer sauce, but there's also salsa, barbecue sauce. Uh, I I really love those. Those really, you know, make meals just almost instant. And marinara sauce, of course. And um, just, you know, the advice is really keep it simple. A simple meal can taste just as delicious as an elaborate one, maybe even more so, uh, if you choose the right ingredients. And one of the ingredients definitely has to be enthusiasm and love. I remember the one time that you and I met in real life, and I can't believe it's only been one time, um, I had you over and I made the tofuna sandwich spread. And I cannot tell you how many non-vegans I've converted to that as their favorite lunch. Our next-door neighbor, not vegan at all, he's a a teacher, teaching consultant. That's almost his daily lunch. Not only did he adopt that as his favorite lunch, I use the prepared baked tofu. He makes his own baked tofu. So here's a non-vegan. He's kind of going a step further than me, and I just find that really thrilling. So I feel like, yeah, that's going to be saving a lot of chickens or tuna, you know, or tunas <laughs> over the course of the year. And then he's, he's introducing it to some of his colleagues as well. And then I had another friend email me in, with a subject line, Tofuna Fun, saying that her husband just is crazy about it and they make it all the time. So basically that is a package of baked tofu, eight ounces, uh, vegan mayonnaise, and celery. Those are the three must-haves. You just mush up the tofu, you you put in the vegan mayonnaise, the celery, optional ingredients, scallion or chives, and nutritional yeast, which I usually use those optional ingredients. And it's just, you know, and it's just addictive. Everybody who tastes it just wants to breathe it in. And this is just sort of illustrates how easy it is to convert skeptics if you just do it in, you know, in a good way, in a way that kind of invites them in. I agree 100%. Boy, I mean, it's been a couple of years, but that was absolutely delicious and such a perfect way to uh, finalize this one interview, but we're going to do it again soon. Our topic today, five ingredient vegan recipes with Nava Atlas. Make sure to learn more about Nava at theveganatlas.com. I can't thank you enough for being here, Nava, and I wish you good health, happiness, and all good things. And can't wait to do this again soon. Be well. Same to you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much. Once again, the fabulous, the incredible Nava Atlas. You want to learn more about her at theveganatlas.com and literaryladiesguide.com. And her book is Five Ingredient Vegan. And you do want to pick up a copy 
it's it's a really good book. What can I say? Whether you're vegan, vegetarian, omnivorous, it's something you're going to love to have in your kitchen when you want to make some delicious vegan recipes in, well, just like trying to snap my fingers. There we go. Just like that. Okay. Well, I promised that at the end of this program today, I would share that recipe for that creamy paprika sauce, which I love to put over burgers, put it over a sandwich. You can actually use this as a quick salad dressing as well as Nava and I were talking about. So there's a lot of different things you can do with this and it is really, really easy. And it's only three ingredients plus salt and pepper. So nothing could be easier. It's slightly spicy, slightly sweet, and it sure is tasty on those crazy barbecue burgers that I uh, talked about earlier in the program today. Here's my creamy paprika sauce. You're going to start off with five tablespoons of vegan mayonnaise, whatever type you like best. You can certainly use a homemade version if you like. One teaspoon of maple syrup. You can also use agave syrup. You really could use a date syrup as well if you like, if you have a homemade date syrup. That's fine and dandy. A quarter teaspoon of smoked paprika. You can use a rounded teaspoon or a little bit more if you really like that smoky, smoky taste. And then sea salt to taste and freshly ground black pepper to taste. That's all the ingredients. You're going to put them in a small bowl. Whisk it until it's really well combined. Taste it. See if you want to add any more salt, any more pepper, a little bit more of that smoked paprika. You can change it up. If you want a little thicker, add some more of the vegan mayo. If you want a little thinner, add more of that maple syrup or whatever uh, liquid sweetener, liquid style sweetener you like. And you're going to refrigerate that sauce to let the flavors marry and store it tightly covered in the refrigerator. This sauce is going to keep for up to about three days, but it really is a yummy, yummy sauce. And if you start with this, you can add more ingredients once again and use it as a salad dressing if you like, but it's great on any sandwich or burger. Uh, There's another sauce that I do that's actually even easier, and it's one that's also great as a basis for burgers, sandwiches, or uh, even as a basis for a salad dressing. And that one is just my ketchup mayo sauce. And that is two parts vegan mayonnaise to one part ketchup. That's the whole thing. If you just remember that, and people can't believe it tastes so delicious, but that's the whole thing. And then you can add anything else that you want to with it. I hope you'll join us every Wednesday on Mind, Body, Spirit FM for the Laura Theodore podcast. Until next time, be happy, be healthy, and be well. From me, Laura Theodore, aka the Jazzy Vegetarian. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. And I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. 
follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.